0: Please return to that text once more, Mark chapter 12, Mark chapter 12, and those first 12 verses of Mark chapter 12. It's our text for this morning's message, which is the rightful ruler is rejected. The rightful ruler is Rejected. Today, I think many of us will acknowledge and know that our culture, our generation, really struggle with authority and respect for authority. I think many people will acknowledge and see, even when you go and visit shops and maybe supermarkets, and people behind the counters, that there may be a lack of respect when we think about those who may be talking with us and serving. And we lament, don't we, the changes in attitude in our culture toward authority and respect for those who would be placed over us, be that our own parents' be that teachers in schools or our boss at work. This is a generation that really struggles with authority and has a kind of a casualness of this. See, we can think that we don't need anyone or anything, but that is not true. But this attitude is fairly unusual if we go across history of the world. Most cultures or civilizations all realize if you let go of this structure of authority, of respect for those who are above you in position, society falls apart. So every culture and civilization, you still see it in lots of parts of Asia, great respect shown for those in authority Above them. And if that ever goes completely, the kingdom, the nation, the community, it all falls apart. We know that in armies, for example, you need discipline, families need order, schools need structure. And for most of history, we've seen this. And we would never say that we reject true authority. I think many of us would never say that. And indeed, in Jesus' day, they would have never said that either. They thought that they were respecting the the true authority. They believed they were following Moses and what he taught. But were they really? They never saw that they really rejected. Many of them rejected the true authority right in front of them. As it is with the Christian church today, or what calls itself the Christian church. Many will say that they follow Jesus and bow the knee to this true authority of this king. But what is the reality? In our text that we're looking at this morning, in Mark chapter 12, verses 1 to 12, Jesus confronts this false view, that they're really interested in true authority. At the end of Mark chapter 11, their dishonesty is exposed by Jesus. And Jesus says to them, neither do I tell you by what authority I do these things. Because they're not being honest. They're not really interested in the true authority and where it comes from. And sadly, this is a sad reality of the old testament church the jewish nation and he shows it to us here in this parable this parable which teaches us about the history of the nation not really interested in the true authority were they expecting this not at all it actually made them quite upset to hear this it was quite shocking for them to hear but friends, as we look at this text here this morning, do we today in 2024, the beginning of a new year, do we follow Jesus Christ ourselves? Are we interested in the true authority in heaven and on earth, the only true King of kings and the Lord of lords? Are we interested in him or do we make our own way? Do we pick and choose what we follow or do we seek to follow him wherever he would lead us. Our first point that we're going to look at, in, in and the first of three points in this text, is number one, the rightful expectation. The rightful expectation. Verse number one. And he began to speak unto them by parables. A certain man planted a vineyard and set a hedge about it and digged a place for the wine fat. And built a tower and let it out to husbandmen and went into a far country. As we read through the Gospels, as you look at what Jesus is doing with the parables, you will see that Jesus uses the parables to reveal to those who have eyes to see and ears to hear, but also to conceal. With those who do not. It was a way of judgment. But there was also something very shocking in all of these parables. There were often parables to shake them out of their complacency and to show them the rightful expectation of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and how much allegiance they owe to him. What was shocking or unexpected about this story? Well, it is a story about the Jewish church, the Old Testament church, this vineyard he is speaking about. And it's shocking because they do not render or give that which is due to the one who planted the vineyard. It's really shocking only when you see the rightful expectation. Who planted the vineyard? Verse number one, a certain man planted the vineyard. And who owns that vineyard? Who does that vineyard belong to? Does someone else have the right to come in and damage the vineyard and trot upon it, all that hard work? Or to take away what is that person's? If we ever heard of such a case happening and somebody spending all that time in a field or working with animals and someone came in and damaged it, you would be quite upset to hear such a story, wouldn't you? Somebody goes in and vineyards take a lot of time and care and love and attention. Not only did he plant a vineyard, he set a hedge about it and digged a place for the wine fat and built a tower. He he made this. He set this up. It was his hard work. It belongs to this man, this certain man spoken about here. And there's something very personal, isn't there? And very important when you think about making something. Some of you may make chairs and tables. Maybe some of you make shelves and various things, and you take a lot of pride and And it's nice to look at something and go, I made that. But imagine if somebody came along after all your hard work and just broke it carelessly, unlovingly. It belongs to the one who made it. There is something satisfying about the work of our own hands something you put love and attention into. But what if somebody comes in and damages it, and it's no longer a place of fruit, it's a place of thorns and briars? There are people who do not understand the value of things. It's very important, and for the children here, it's very important to learn about the value of hard work. To learn about how hard your parents needed to work to have that house that you live in. Because you won't value things otherwise. Hard work. And unless you respect things around you, you won't treat them very well. You will treat them as things of no value. You won't see all the hard work that went into making it and sustaining it. But if you put time and money into something, care into something, and you have made that, you can say that belongs to you, the husbandmen. Who should they answer to? It speaks about husbandmen here, and let it out to husbandmen and went into a far country at the end of verse number one. Who should they answer to? Can the husbandmen take it for themselves? These people working and taking care of the vineyard, but it's not theirs. It's been lent to them. It belongs to the rightful owner because it's his rightful expectation. And, boys and girls, I hope when you're at home, any of the boys and girls who are here, when you're at home and you receive food in the morning at your breakfast table, I hope you're very thankful to your mommy and your daddy for all the hard work that they've done. And I hope you're very thankful to God who gave that to you and all these things that we have. We get them for a short time in this world, but they are a wonderful blessing. Hard work that is required. That bed you sleep in at night. Are you thankful for the hard work that was involved in making that bed and the money that was spent in buying that bed and even putting that roof over your head. There's so many things that we ought to thank our parents for and also God. We need to be thankful for what God has provided. Who is the rightful owner of the vineyard here? Now, we're thinking of the Jewish church the rightful owner, is it us? The husbandman working in, yes, we are working in the vineyard. Yes, we've, it has been given to us for a time, but in a hundred years, will any of us be here? We have been given this vineyard for a short period of time. Who does it belong to? Does it belong to us or does it belong to God? Surely, friends, it belongs to God. Who makes the rules? If I go to live in someone else's house, whose rules am I going to follow? My own or the person who owns that house? You follow the rules of the person who owns it. And the people of God in the Old Testament and indeed today have forgotten who the vineyard belongs to. It doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God. You see, we must respect authority as God's people. Who built this vineyard? Who built this church? Matthew 16 and verse number 18. Matthew 16 and verse number 18. And I saw also, and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That phrase, Jesus said, I will build my church, I will build my vineyard, I will build it. It is God who builds it, it is the Lord Jesus Christ who builds it. And Jesus makes the rules of that vineyard. It belongs to him. It's why when we come before him in the public worship of God, what we do in the public worship of God must be according to the rules of the one who owns the vineyard. It's his, and he gets to decide how it is done. Why is there preaching? It is commanded. Why is there singing of the Psalms? It is commanded. Why is there prayer? It is commanded. Well, can't we have other things? Friends, the owner of the vineyard has not told us. And we ought not to bring the work of our own hands into the worship of God. You see, he makes... The rules and what is the rightful expectation of the one who is the one who is built and made and set up a hedge, this kind of a protection around this vineyard? Verse number two. And at that season, and at the season, he sent to the husbandman a servant that he might receive from the husbandman of the fruit of the vineyard. The fruit, what is produced out of the vineyard. Who does it belong to? It belongs to him. It belongs to God. It doesn't belong to us. And why is the fruit that rightfully belongs to him? You see, this is the rightful expectation of the one who has made the vineyard. His vineyard, his, it belongs to him. What fruit should we offer before God? What fruit should we produce in our lives? holiness being conformed changed more and more into the image of Jesus Christ and all the things that we offer it is offered unto him in Romans chapter 6 verses 21 and chap- verse chapter 6 verses 21 and 22 Romans chapter 6 verses 21. And 22, what fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. That's the fruit where we serve ourselves. That's not giving honor unto God, but Paul writes to Romans in verse 22, but now being made free from sin and become servants to God. Ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Your fruit unto holiness. And when our fruit in our lives is holy, we are acknowledging the rightful expectation of the King of Kings. He rules. He makes the rules and we follow them and we love them in our head, in our heart, and in our hands. His rules, his law is wonderful. It is the perfect law of liberty, and he deserves all the honor, all the praise, all the glory in his vineyard. This is something that they did not understand. They did not understand it is why this parable was was spoken and taught by Jesus. They forgot, like, we... As part of that vineyard, laboring in that vineyard, oh God, everything. So, our second point this morning is the rebellion exposed. The rebellion exposed. Verse number three they caught him and beat him and sent him away empty. You see, this is what's shocking about it. Here's the shocking element that comes into this parable. It is his vineyard. It is his fruit. He rightfully, it rightfully belongs to him. And when his servants come along, that they might receive of the fruit of the vineyard, what truly belongs to him. What did he do? Did he treat them well? Not at all. And the rebellion is here exposed. The people listening do not think that they are this person. And actually, they're quite upset when they hear this. They do not see the long and the painful history of the Jewish nation. And there's many, many examples. Why did the Jewish nation, especially Judea, being brought into captivity in Babylon, why did that happen? Because of this. They didn't realize the rightful expectation of the king of kings, and they were rebellious against that. They served their own heart. They served their own selves, and they wished to be like all the other nations all around them. Does that sound familiar? When we become conformed and changed by the world around us more than the scriptures, that we too follow the same example as seen in the Old Testament church. See, so often we can read in the Old Testament wondering, why do they do this? Why would they do such a thing? Why would they in the book of Numbers complain against God? But dear friends, we are prone to the same error. We are prone to the same mistakes. And so often, if we will search our hearts, we have done the same thing ourselves. prophet after prophet, preacher after preacher, servant after servant was sent to the people of God to warn them lovingly. And what did they do? Jeremiah 7, Jeremiah chapter 7 and verses 25 and 26. Jeremiah chapter 7 and verses 25 and number, and verse 26 Since the day that your fathers came forth out of the land of Egypt, unto this day I have even sent unto you all my servants, the prophets, daily rising up early and sending them. Yet they hearkened not unto me, nor inclined their ear, but hardened their neck. They did worse than their fathers. Therefore, verse 27 Thou shalt speak all the words unto them, but they will not hearken unto thee. Thou shalt also call unto them, but they will not answer thee. And we see examples, don't we, of these prophets and these preachers. They are preachers. They have been given a message by Almighty God. They were truth tellers. They were forth tellers. They were telling what would happen if the nation would not turn to God. And after and during the, the writing of this book of Jeremiah, and indeed afterwards with the writing of the book of Lamentations, we see the devastation that Jeremiah and the people of God experienced. The city of Jerusalem was destroyed, along with its temple. The rejection was exposed. God was showing his people at that time, you have rejected me. All the symbols that everything's going okay are being removed around you for a reason. And sometimes the Lord will speak in providence, He will speak to us in the circumstances of our lives if we will not hear the words that He's written in the scriptures. Will we hear? Will we hear today? Will we take what we have heard? And apply it to our lives. We will not think, well, I wish to go so far and no further in my walk with Christ. I've reached a certain level of holiness. I wish to go no further. Friends, consider the rightful expectation of him. None of us think we are going to be those people who will treat the servants of God in such a way. But our own hearts, friends. Our own hearts are capable of many things. Our own hearts are capable of doing these things. In verses four and five of our text, and again, he sent unto them another servant. It wasn't just one time. And at him, they cast stones and wounded him in the head and sent him away shamefully handled. And again, he sent another and him they killed and many others beating some and killing some. But these are God's people. Think about this. This was God's people on earth. Where else were was the church on earth at that time? It was in Judea. There were Jews also in Galilee in the north. But where, and there were some scattered in other parts. And friends, we can fall into this danger if we think we are Better than the heathen down the road or something like that, then we're okay. They couldn't bear to hear this, that they had to themselves had been rebellious against the law of God. They struggled to see their own need, to see their need for turning unto the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 14. Jeremiah chapter 14. And verses 14 and 15. Verses 14 and 15 of Jeremiah 14. Then the Lord said unto me, The prophets prophesy lies in my name. I sent them not, neither have I commanded them. Neither spake unto them. They prophesy unto you a false vision and divination and a thing of naught and a deceit of their heart. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, concerning the prophets that prophesy in my name and send them not. Yet they say, sword and famine shall not be in this land. By sword and famine shall those prophets be consumed. Do you see what they were teaching? And these were the popular prophets of the day. Sword and famine shall not be in this land. Tell us positive things. Tell us happy truths. And yes, the believer in Jesus Christ has much to be joyful about. But there's also painful realities we must face. We can't shut our eyes to the truth. You see, in that, in those days and throughout the, the Jewish nation and throughout the Christian, uh, the Christian church as well, the same mistake has been made. Tell us deceptions. Tell us lies, because they struggled to see themselves as sinners. Oh, yes, tell us other people are sinners. But don't tell us that we are sinners ourselves. This was shocking to them, because they'd fallen into a pattern of self-righteousness. Now, you probably think, well, this doesn't happen today, does it? Surely, surely this does not happen today the people will say, prophesy unto us smooth things. Turn to Isaiah 30 and verse 10. Isaiah 30 and verse number 10. It says this in verse 10, which say to the seers, see not. And to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things. Speak unto us smooth things. Prophesy deceits. And for much of the church today, friends, in the Western world, this is the state she is in. She does not wish to hear truth. There are, the great pressure is, prophesy deceit. Prophesy, give us happy things, give us things that will cheer us up. But friends, to the true believer in Jesus Christ who realizes the poverty in his own soul, lies are discouraging. And the truth, that is wonderful. Yes, it is to hear. Yes, we are sinners. But it is to also learn of the riches of Jesus Christ. You see, we don't find our contentment in ourselves and in our performance. If we do, We look in, we actually find only things to lament over. But when we look to Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith, we find someone, the King of Kings, to rejoice over. You see, one is focused on man and his personal preferences and his own personal joy rather than what is pleasing before God. Do you see the difference? And they to themselves had fallen into that. And they thought, no, 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 we are the righteous people. We are the godly people. And Jesus, along with the rest of the gospel, Mark, was very much confronting them in this. They were not. Many of them were not. There were some godly among them, but many of them were not. Friends, we need to have discernment, don't we? that we do not follow the current of rebellion. It may be taking place in our church culture, but we must test all things against the scriptures, being discerning people and realizing when it is departing away from the Lord. Verses six and seven, having yet therefore one son, his well-beloved, he sent him also last unto them, saying, they will reverence my son. And this is where the, the rebellion is really exposed. You would think, here's his son. It belongs to him. Here's my heir. Here's my, my own son. Surely he will, they, they will reverence him and treat him with respect. You see, we'll often think if if Jesus walked today through places that they would treat him better. No, they would not. They wouldn't. Verse 7, but those husbandmen said among themselves, this is the heir. And they said something horrible. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance shall be ours. They didn't want it to be a kingdom about Jesus. They wanted the kingdom for themselves. That can happen so, so easily if we ever forget. The church belongs to Jesus. The church does not belong to us. We don't make the rules, the Lord does. And they are wonderful because it is the law of liberty. Our third point and our final point this morning is the ruler exalted, the ruler exalted. So we've looked at the the rightful expectation. It is his vineyard, and, and surely it belongs to him. And two, the rebellion exposed. This has been exposed by Jesus. He is confronting them about this. And then number three, finally, the ruler exalted. What will the vineyard do? It is his. It belongs to him. What is his rightful place? Well, in verse number nine, what shall therefore the Lord of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the husbandmen and will give the vineyard unto others. He will destroy it. We have been promised that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. But there has been no promise made to individual specific either churches or denominations or anything else. And that ought to make us all tremble. The Jewish church had been there for thousands of years in that part of the world. They had been brought into exile and slavery, brought out again and brought back in. But there came a point when the patience of the Lord, when there was no more. And what was sent into the land, famine of hearing the word of God. That should make us all tremble. But for the grace of God, there go we. But for the grace of God, there goes Scotland. There goes the United Kingdom. There goes both of these islands together what should he do if his honor is being robbed what is truly belongs to him is robbed he even in judgment friends the rightful ruler is exalted if you go before a human judge and that judge sets aside justice and says oh it doesn't matter in this case It diminishes his authority. The Lord comes here. As spoken about here. He will come. And we see it. And we've seen it in history. Later in 70 AD. Jerusalem was destroyed. Judgment comes to those who wish to rob. From the Lord's vineyard. Now friends. What is what is wonderful about this text as well is that the rightful ruler is exalted. Even if he came into his own and his own received him not, it doesn't depend on mere creatures such as you and I. God's plan goes forth. And the question we have to ask ourselves is: will we be blessed in trusting in him and following him, both now and in the world to come? Or Will we join with those who wish to look religious outwardly? <clears throat> Verse ten. And have ye not read this scripture? Isn't it wonderful? He points back to the scriptures, the word of the living God, the stone which the builders rejected is become the head of the corner. We said in an earlier message. The importance of our confidence in the word of God. The scriptures are referred to. Why? Because the Lord knew this. He declared it before it happened. And so that when it happened, he is exalted in all these things. He is exalted at this moment in time. Jesus is speaking to them. He's going through what we call his humiliation. But now he's at the right hand of the majesty on high, exalted exalted. Verse 11, this was the Lord's doing and is marvelous in our eyes. Here it's quoting from Psalm 118, which we'll sing later. Psalm 118, verses 22 and 23, this is quoting from, and here's a picture of during the building process, there's a stone which The builder doesn't think lines up with the other stones. It's not what he thinks that the stone should look like. It's a rejected stone. In the ancient world, they used to have a cornerstone. And that cornerstone was the the stone by which all other stones must measure up. And if it doesn't measure up with that stone, it is broken into pieces. Jesus is the stone by which we are to measure up. Now, we fall short in our own performance. But by faith in Jesus Christ, you are clothed with the righteousness of Christ. And by faith in Jesus Christ, when he looks at you, he doesn't see a defective stone. He sees the stone as part of that building as it was meant to be. As it was meant to be, the stone, referring to the Lord Jesus Christ, which the builders rejected. He came into his own, and his own received him not. The the chief priests, the elders, they all rejected him. The leadership of the church rejected Jesus. Isn't that a shocking thing? They spoke about him, they preached about him, and then when he came in front of them, they rejected him. It's a very, very sobering thing. The stone which the builders rejected has become the head of the corner, the most important stone. He is exalted. He is lifted up because this vineyard belongs to him. He's part of that that important building. Which side are we on? Look at how they responded in verse number 12. And they sought to lay hold on him. But why didn't they? But feared the people. But feared the people. Even them, with their wicked intents, they feared man. The fear of man will drive us away from exalting Christ. We must fear God above all else. We must look to him and to him alone. When they hear this truth that the nation basically had been rejecting him. They were angry. They sought to lay hold on him. They did not have tender hearts. The hearts were resistant to the truth. And you see, What happens is, when that happens, it's scary because the messenger will be rejected in such a case. And it's really a rejection, a rejection of the Lord. We see it in the middle of our passage. Servants were sent. And then if we think of Jesus was standing before us physically in the flesh, we think it would be different. Friends, unless you bow the knee to Jesus today, and you love his word today, if he came before you, it wouldn't make any difference. Your heart must be changed by the spirit of God. Do you love Jesus today? Do you love his word? Do you wish to follow after it? Or when you hear it, does it make you Angry See this is the shocking thing. these were religious people. these were maybe even you could say clean living in so many ways. Ah sure, the, the Sadducees, oh well they they were kind of a bit they didn't believe in the resurrection, oh but the Pharisees, they were good. You see, they understood verse number 12, for they knew that he had spoken the parable against them, and they left him and went their way. Do you know the one who made the church? And because you know the one who has built this vineyard, he has set his hedge about it. He is the one who protects it. He is the one who maintains this vineyard, whether it be here in Lewis, whether it be in the rest of mainland Scotland, wherever it is around the world is this, vi- this vine dress, this one who has built it, this one who maintains it, it all belongs to him. Who is the rightful ruler? Who is the rightful owner of all that we see around him? All we see around us. Yes, the church belongs to Christ. He purchased it with his own blood. But every blade of grass, every single thing you have in your life belongs to him. Friends, this morning I ask you, do you belong to him? Does your heart Belong to him. And if it belongs to him. That is wonderful. That is joyful. You will have victory. You will have victory. For all eternity. A wonderful eternity. Where there is no sin. No suffering. Glory awaits. You. The true believer. But be warned. There is destruction for the outward professing religious believer, but yet has no love for Jesus in his heart. Do you have a love for Jesus? Has the Lord softened your heart? Are you glad to offer him that fruit that is owed to him, his rightful expectation? Do you say, yes, oh, yes, He is worthy of all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. And friend, you will look forward to heaven. The more you learn about heaven, the more you learn about Jesus, the more you know what he has done for you, the more you will long to be absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord. Heaven awaits you, dear friend, in Christ Jesus and in him alone. Amen. Let us pray before Almighty God. Glorious and heavenly Father, our great King of kings and Lord of lords. We praise thee, O Lord, for thou hast built this vineyard, hast set thy hedge about it. Thou hast protected us here. We ask for thy continued protection. We ask that thou wouldst have pity on us. We ask that thou wouldst glorify thy Son in our midst, in the worship of God. May we seek thee, may we love thee, as we examine our hearts, as we look unto thee, if we find any rebellion against Thee in our hearts, may we flee from such rebellion. May we look unto Thee, the author, the finisher of our faith, the Lord Jesus Christ. May we we exalt Him. May we have tender hearts to receive this truth. May we not resist Him. May we love Him. May we give what is his rightful expectation. May we resist rebellion against him. And may we exalt the rightful ruler in our hearts, in our minds, in our, in our hands, so that thou wouldst be glorified, thou wouldst be magnified, that that light would shine forth with mighty power, May it be pleasing to us as thy people. May it be pleasing to thee in and through thy son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Pardon our many sins. May thy face shine upon us. In Jesus' name, amen.